0: For the great and good God that we serve, that we can come humbly before Him to give Him praise, to give Him glory, to sing a hallelujah that He is our God, our Savior, who saved us from a death that would separate us from Him, but that He took it upon Himself so that we might know Him we might know his Father and come close to him. I'm doing do something a bit differently today. I'm going to kneel like right you on the steps just to pray and invite anyone who wants to join me to be willing to. God, Lord Jesus, we come before you humbly, giving you thanks, giving you praise for all that you do for us. Thank you for being the God of creation, the God of our lives, leading us every day, for giving us your own spirit to guide us, give us strength, to come for us, that we might know you closer every day. Humble us before you, God. Help us to serve you, to always be your hands and feet, to be your body, God, that this church may be glorified. That we would always glorify you and serve you for the rest of our days through this neighborhood, through this city, through our state, through our country, and through our own world. That your name would be known to the ends of the earth and right here. That we would serve you and we would always know you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, we live in a bit of a crazy world right now, don't we? A bit of a chaotic time when it comes to the economy, when it comes to politics, when it comes to just willingness in general. We can get lost in it sometimes thinking about it, right? That's not how it used to be. I think it keeps keep seeming to get worse. But even through all the brokenness in the world, even through all the chaos, Our God still prevails. He still shows himself. He still makes himself known throughout the ages. And that's what we see here. So, turn with me in the Bible to 1 Kings 17. And today we're going to talk about Elijah. And 1 Kings 17 is kind of the beginning of Elijah's story. He comes into this scene. Again, a very chaotic time in Israel. The kingdom of Israel that we know had just been divided into two kingdoms. And it's a crazy time. People are doing what's right in their own eyes. They're worshiping false gods, false idols. And they're turning away from them God. Just like we see nowadays. But again, even through all the chaos that happened in Israel, God still showed himself. His word will never die. And so we see here. So let's read in the beginning of chapter 17. Now Elijah the church of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord of God's will lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the crook of Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went, and according to the word of the Lord, he went and lived by the brook, sheriff, that is east of Jordan. And the ravens bought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Now the while the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. And so we see here, right, the stage is being set. There was a drought in the land of Israel. The people are being led away from God. But God's promise will stand that He made to David. That your kingdom shall not fall. So we pick up here. So this now we're in the city of Zerophav. And Zeyroph is a very pagan city. It was very near nice to a Sidon, kind of west of Jerusalem. And again, this city was like, no, well, well God's power can't work. You know, Baal worships here. False God, he reigns here. God's power can't come in here. It would do nothing. It would be useless. But this is the scene where Elijah comes to make his appearance, right? So we pick up here in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, and rise, and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. And behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there. Gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I might drink. She was going to bring it. And he called to her, Bring me also bread in your hand, also, right? Generosity, custom of the land. And so the lady said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked. Only a handful of flour in the jar and a little oil in the jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself and my son. That we may eat it and die. That's deep. This woman had only her and her son. husband's probably dead. She's a widow. And what is she doing? She's gathering sticks to make a fire, to bake bread as her last meal. That she was going to eat and give up on hope. A lot of us go through that sometimes. We do lose hope. A lot of us want to kind of give in sometimes. The car quits. And this lady had giving up hope. But even through all of it, there was hope. Because eventually after that, Elijah comes. He brings the good news. And Elijah said to her in verse 13, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. Not to make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, your God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent. And the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day of the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went. And there's Elijah said. And get this. And she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Elijah comes. He tells her, no. Don't give up hope. He reminds her of who God is that the land looks desolate, when you think you've been stacked against, that nothing's going right for you, when you think that you're at your low, God's still there. He never stops working. Even when we don't feel him sometimes, he's still working. He's working something inside of us, something for us. We might not be able to see it immediately, but he works. And what a wondrous act of faith the woman had her last meal, that she could have taken from herself, could have been selfish and said, I'm going to take it from me, my son, who are you, go away. But she put to her trust in Elijah, despite all odds. He said, you know what? I'm going to give it to you. Go and do as you say. God does that to us. He invites us in. He says, trust me, and I'll provide for you. Come to me, and I'll love you. I'll make you feel known, treasured. That's exactly what happened here. The woman put her faith in Elijah, who came by the word of God. So what's stopping any of us from doing the same? What's stopping any of us from giving our last meal, per se, the last bit of effort that we have to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore by myself. I need you. You who is the author of all life, creator of the universe, king of all. Why would I ever try to do life by myself? What's stopping us from doing as the woman did and put our life on the line for Jesus? give our all, all, and surrender to him. And when we do, we all provide it, right? I can tell the amount of times I've been provided myself the amount of times I've had opportunities to even come here and preach, to teach others, to teach youth, to go around the world and tell people about Jesus. I've been provided opportunities to do that. And it's not by coincidence. Nothing the Lord does is coincidence, That's not what his vocabulary, but everything we do is according to him, and when we surrender our lives to him, and we do all the service to him, he does provide. I work for a church in Jackson, Mississippi right now called Soul City, and Soul City is kind of in a rough part of Jackson, per se. It's not very kind of well-known. It's not very upkept, but there's still people there. And they, even they need to know who Jesus is. So we walk and we see tons of youth and kids that come from the neighborhood, and these kids go through anything imaginable, from gangs to violence to drugs, fatherlessness, to no peace. It's there. But God's provided me and my friends a way to minister to these kids. To tell them you're loved, you're special, God's still here. We've got an amount of response from the kids from that. We just got through with what we call Camp Jackson, too, for the kids, especially. That was back in probably the first week of July, and we've had amazing outreach from the kids that they do feel loved now, they do feel treasured. And it's amazing. And when we give our all to God, when we give our last meal to God, that last effort, when we think we can't, he multiplies it. And he gives you the energy. He gives you what you need to do his will. And go back to beginning the story. He provided for Elijah food by ravens. I've never seen such a thing before. Yet God worked it out. Provide Elijah food in the morning and the evening by ravens. How much more can our God do for us by a simple God, Lord, I need you? So what could be stopping us from doing the same thing, from coming to know God, from giving our all to him? And so we pick up after this, right? We see in 17 that something happens to the widow's son, right? Right? After this, we pick up verse 17. After this, the son the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to a membrane, and it caused the death of my son. Now let's just stop there. How many of us would do the same, though? Whenever tribulation or storm, something hits, we immediately doubt God. We immediately throw, oh, God must be getting back at me. He must be angry at me, surely, right? He must be trying to get at me, but no. All God loves us. Even through tough times that we have in life, God doesn't need to be angry at us. When you sin, you're convicted that you sin. And that's what it means to be saved. that have the spirit inside of us. God doesn't need to punish you. Because you sin. Because you already have the conviction of using the spirit inside of you. That we're wrong. That we're imperfect. Right? We're imperfect. But even through our broken and imperfectness, God still chooses to want us, to love us. And we couldn't need him for a second. God wants us. He is jealous for us. He wants us to spend time with him because we have a relationship with God himself. He wants us to have to spend time so we can know him, so we can become intimate with himself. The God of the universe that we to get to call our Father, our good and great Father, that we get the opportunity to say I love you to him. He says, I love you back. And even through all of our brokenness, God still loves us. He still comes to us and still chooses to want you to be part of what he has. And that will never change. God wants you. He is for you. He wants to see you grow in him. Like Jesus said, right? I am the true vine. Those who come to me will produce fruit. Those who don't will perish. That isn't to be taken literally. If you don't abide in Jesus, you don't grow fruit. You wither. You find ways to grow besides him. And it doesn't work. But through only Jesus... He provides the soil, the foundation we need to grow, to flourish, to develop into the children he wants us to be. That we can be his children, part of his family. We may all know his love. But even through all of it, God's there for us. He provides. So we'll keep going. Verse 19. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chambers where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon her son? Even upon the window who had sojourned. Then he stretched himself upon the child three times, and he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come to him again. And the Lord listened to him, to the voice of Elijah. And the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. He lives. He is not dead. Your son, who you thought was gone, is to you again. And the woman said to Elijah. Now I know that you all have made of God, that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. Think about that. This woman thought her son's death was caused by her, her own sin, her own brokenness. And she thought she couldn't be forgiven of it. Right? Why, right, Lord, have you reminded me of it again? Why? Why have you killed my son now because of it? It doesn't make sense. Confused, lost, comes to mind, right? And through all of it, God says, I'm still here. And no matter what gunk we have in our lives, there is freedom in Christ. So then Galatians 5.1, right? There is freedom in Christ so that you may not be under the yoke of slavery again. And even under all of our troubles that we have in our soul, we don't have to be bound by it. We don't have to be bound by anything in this world. No politics, no agendas, no systems, no nothing. So the only thing we're bound by when we come to him is Jesus himself. And that is what Paul was describing there. There was freedom in Christ. You are not bound by your sin. You are not bound by the world's expectations. But if you say true to my vine, you produce fruit. Let that be an encouragement to all of us, me included, that no matter how bad you think you're in, no matter how bad the world thinks you have it against itself, no matter all hope that's lost, there was still a God. He's been the God of Israel, of his people, for more years than we can count. And the God that's in the Old Testament is still the same God today that hasn't changed, that's still alive, that's still true, that is good, that is great, because his power doesn't change. His lovely people of Israel and you has not changed He loves his people. He cares for them. He sets us free. He says, you're not bound by the world. You're not out of the world anymore, right? You love me. You're in my family now, not the world's family. I want you. I want you here with me. That's the soft whisper of God. And we will still, and we choose to listen to him, he speaks to us. He reminds us that no matter what, no matter what we're facing, A, I've already overcome it, but B, you can get through it with me. And glory be to God Himself that we have a Savior that sets us free. And there's no con- condemnation of Him either, right? It says that Romans 8 1, there's no combination in the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what you've done, he will not judge you of it. He will not say bad on you for doing this. He will not criticize you. But instead, he'll open his arms wide. Say, come here. He invites us into himself. He sets us free so we can come to know him, so we can know his love, so we can experience all that he has has for us. And what a crazy image it is that's do everything. God came to speak to a widow of all people, right? The lowest person in society, per se, and it was like moral system, was a widow, right? You had your widows, and you had your slaves at the bottom of the pool. You had your priests, you had your merchants, you had your architects, everyone, your workers, and you had the slaves, and you had the widows. They're at the bottom. They're not looked out for. They're not cared for. People discard them. That's why James says in his book later, true religion looks like this, to care for the widows and the orphans. Because No one cares for them, but we should, because we love all. With oh, a crazy reality that God speaks to a widow. Again, not to some higher up or anyone of noble prestige, but a humble widow in a town that's desolate. He comes to speak to her. He wants to come and to speak to her, tell her that I love you. To make her know what an amazing imagery that is. That for God can forgive a woman. And brings the Son back to life. How much more can he work through you? Our God is the God of life, of resurrection. Jesus overcame death on the cross. And that spirit, that resurrection spirit, lives in all of you. Again, we're not bound by anything. That we can have life inside of us, eternal life. Because our God is a living God that loves you that frees us, that will always welcome you. No matter where you are in life, no matter how far away you think you stray from God, he's still there. Let it be known that no matter where you go in this world, he's always with us. No matter what you go through, he's with you. He is for you. He would always be with you. so God renew the woman. She said, you are a man of God. Now I know that you, you, you come from God, the Almighty. The God is alive, right? God was thought to be dead. There's a in the land. God's not responding. Where is he? God was thought to be out of the picture. But this woman's faith came alive again through Elijah. How important it is that we are alike to other people. That's again, if Elijah wasn't even there, she would never know that, right? If Elijah was even there, she would have taken her last meal, would have said, This is it, God, there's nothing else for me, would have died. But let that be an imagery into the life of other people. The other people do walk into death, they do walk thinking there is no hope, there is nothing. That we are called to be part of God's mission. We are called, as broken people who are loved by God, mended by him, to come back to him. To spread his love to other people. That they too might have a chance to know Christ. That they too might be able to know him and to love him. And again, your faith looks like miracles to other people. Think about that. Elijah's faith that God provided was a miracle to a woman who thought God was dead. But God works through our faith, doesn't He? That's why it's so important that we have faith. God's power works through us, that our faith becomes His power, that we should never let fear tremble over our faith. Because again, God's up here. His power, his majesty is so much greater. And fear of Satan is down here. Satan's only a fallen angel that has nothing compared to God. Let me say that again. Satan's down here, an angel. Yet God's up here. Creator of the universe, for your side, up here. All God can conquer all. And our faith is a part of that. And God does work miracles. To go back to my soul C imagery, we've been working on a community pool in the area for a while. And so last year we started working on the pool. This is what it looks like when it was old, right? This is about last year. The pool was disgusting, filled with algae, had frogs in it, trash, everything. It was nasty. And so me and a couple of my friends that work at Soul came, and we said, you know what? We're going to clean this thing so that the neighborhood, the local people that we serve might know that we serve a great God, that our faith can become a miracle to other people. And so we worked hard. We worked a whole year to get that pool up and running. We cleaned it out. We de-drained the pool. Had to get in there, get the algae out, scrape it out, right, and just clean it. And there was a lot of times where we thought it wasn't going to be possible anymore. It's too much. The pump system won't work. Electricity won't work. We don't have the chemicals. We don't have the people. We don't have the money. But let me tell you, that doesn't stop God from working. That doesn't stop God at all. And God did work through us. He provided the people that we need at the right time, the stuff, the chemicals itself, Actually which is a funny story, but he provided the chemicals. He provided the people, the labor. And eventually, a year afterwards, that's it. Wow. This opened up two weeks ago for the community of Midtown Jackson, a community that has no hope, that think there's nothing for it, that think that they're lost to the world. God provided for them through us, through our faith. God opened up that pool. And our people see that, again, like the lady said, you are from God. That you must be true what you say. That you do serve a God that is loving and good. And again, these people are ecstatic. They've never seen anything like this before. Call called the dry bones of flesh imagery, but that's what it is. Dry bones that come alive through Christ. And what's really cool is that that first day they opened, open, we baptize people. We baptized two youth in our neighborhood in that pool. Because they came to know Christ. through us serving them, us loving them, helping to make them known. It's nothing different. The same God that works through Elijah works through us. Nothing is stopping us, the evil itself, from you serving others, you finding a need, and letting God use you in that area. Right? That's why I want to do medical missions. I want to be of use to God. I want to serve internationally, provide health care to people, and in return show that my God is good. My God is true. He's the way, truth, and life. I wanted to serve others. And I have to encourage anyone here to try serving other people. It might be challenging sometimes. You've all know that person that's challenging to serve. But even through that, if we can learn to serve them, we can serve anyone. And if our God can work through that situation, He can work through all of it. So I would encourage all of us to be the hands and feet of God. That again, all God invites us, broken people, that need him to be part of his mission. That God uses imperfect people for his perfect plan all the time. Because God loves us. It's like a father teaching his son and daughter how to fish, right? The father loves fishing. So he's going to naturally teach his kids how to fish, right? It's the same thing. God loves us so much. He wants to show us how he does things. How to serve others. How to see him. So he sees us as broken. And he loves us on the broken. He invites us in and renews us. He invites us to come to him. To join his kingdom, right? His eternal kingdom. And that his kingdom alone would prevail over all. That we would have a heart to other people. And that's what ministry is, right? You could ask me or Mr. Chris or Cody. It's about having a heart for people. wanting to soul the souls of men and women everywhere. want to do what I call heart ministry. Knowing someone's heart so well. You know what they go through. But you don't leave them. As our Savior doesn't leave us. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for all you do through us. I thank you so much for your power being manifested through your son Jesus. That Jesus took all sin, all pain, all brokenness, And he defeated it. That he rose again on the third day to conquer death itself. So that we might have his spirit inside of us and know that we too can conquer death. We too can know that you're all we need, Jesus. That to know your father's will and be part of his mission is the biggest blessing any of us could ever know. I pray so much, God, that you remind us of how good and great you are. That we would serve you anywhere, from this city, to the state, to our country, to our world. That we would serve you, God, wherever you call us be, as your people. That we wouldn't waver from your calling. You would stand true. And we won't bow to anything else but you, God. That you work miracles through our faith. And what a good and great God is that you are always with us, no matter what. Let everyone here know you love Jesus from now until the end of the time. To your name I pray. Amen. And stand with us now for our hymn of invitation. If there's any decision or prayer need that you have this morning just uh would invite you to come as our hopefully our prayer counselors will come this way as well and just uh yeah if there's a a need that you have to pray for or a desire for a church membership here at myrtle grove baptist church or anything like that then now's the time to respond to what we've heard today so let's come just as you